Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of Switchcraft is brought to you by patrons like Trevor B. Support Switchcraft and my other content for as little as a dollar at patreon.com slash run jump stomp. Episode 125 of Switchcraft is brought to you by opseat.com. Uh, head on over there to get your awesome gaming chair uh, for $10 off. Use the coupon code RUNJUMPSIT. Uh, thank you to opseat.com for sponsoring this episode of Switchcraft. And uh, please remember, use that coupon code RUNJUMPSIT to get $10 off your chair. Switchcraft is recorded live three times a week at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern on Tuesday, Thursday, and on Saturday at whatever time the universe allows. For instance, today it's Saturday, the 23rd of December, and it's 1026 a.m. So usually I don't record this early, uh, but if you want to show up when we record live, you can head on over to twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. Uh, I really appreciate that. The people who are hanging out right now, we've got Kodiak Moonwolf and Diamond Killer. X and uh, there's not a whole lot of other people here this morning because we are really, really early. Uh, so, uh, thank you guys for showing up. I appreciate it. I can still, I can also see a couple of uh, of um, lurkers here, so I appreciate that as well. All right, uh, let's start with a review from iTunes. I got um, a new review from T Bond Twenty Two, who I thought had already reviewed the show, but maybe not. Uh, they gave it five stars, and they said, you get three great shows a week. RJS does a great job with the solo podcast. He is the perfect voice for a podcast, too. Uh, if you're into Nintendo, you should give the show a listen. So thank you very much for that five-star review. Uh, the more of those we get, the higher up on the charts we will climb. So I appreciate that big time. Um, let's see. Email. I got an email this week as well. This is from Jeff GG. They said, um, RJS. So we know it takes years to create a great game, and we've seen Nintendo release some major games in 2017, such that a lot of us are now concerned with 2018. Uh, The Switch has been such an overwhelming success, now Nintendo has to adjust to a platform with soon-to-be tens of millions of, of customer consoles. However, quickly adjusting isn't possible when it takes years to make a great game. Uh, But then I read in an article, Sellers also made the claim that Metroid Prime 4 will be developed by Bandai Namco. Nintendo had previously announced that their in-house producer, Kensuke Tanabe, was heading up the development team for Metroid Prime 4, so I hadn't really thought about that. But if Nintendo's flush with cash, they can use their in-house talent to produce a game, maybe they can adapt relatively quickly, and keep the good games coming by using external studios for hands-on work. What do you think, Jeff GG? Well, first off... I do want to address the, I, I kind of had the same, for a while I had the same concerns about what was going to happen in 2018 with game after game after game coming out in 2017. And the more I thought thought about it, I, I think back to the last couple of years of the Wii U. It's not like the Nintendo Switch came out of nowhere. Nintendo knew what they were doing. 
And if you look at the last couple of years of releases for the Wii U, like there was nothing to play. There might have been like two or three decent games a year. And other than that, it was nothing. It was just, uh, you know, there were tumbleweeds. So what I think happened is they took all of their, they, they, they identified that the Wii U was a flop and then it wasn't going to go the way that they had hoped. So what I think they ended up doing is they just took all of their projects that were Wii U projects and started pushing them over to the Switch. Breath of the Wild being, um, you know, the exception to the rule because they had promised a, a brand new Zelda game on the Wii U and they had to deliver that in order to fulfill that promise. So all those games that we got in that fir- this first year for the Switch, I think that most of those games, uh, they were originally Wii U games, and they were not necessarily ported to the Switch, but they switched gears probably a couple years ago into uh, purely Switch development, and that's why we had so many great games in 2017. Now, just because a game came out in quote-unquote September doesn't mean that they were working on it right up until then there's a good chance that they had that game pretty much finished uh, long before then. And they decided when they were going to release the game based on um, other factors like what games were coming out or, you know, to stagger it. So there was, there was always something new to play. And even if they were still tinkering with the game, my guess is that let's take a look at Mario Odyssey, Super Mario Odyssey is a masterpiece, fantastic game. Came, in, came out in October. My guess is the majority of the team for Mario Odyssey hasn't worked on that game in a while. They probably just had a small, like a skeleton crew uh, working on Mario Odyssey to, you know, work on those, fixing the textures, making things, making sure that things were running okay, QA stuff. And probably the big majority of that team moved on to do other stuff. Then they've been working on that stuff for a while. Uh, we, we're going to talk about ARMS in a little bit, uh, how ARMS, uh, this is the uh, 5.0 is the last big update for ARMS. Uh, Mr. Yabuki, I'm sure, is still heading development of the ARMS team, but it doesn't take nearly as many resources to make a new character and a new stage as it did to create the whole game. And ARMS came out months and months ago. So my guess is, a majority of Mr. Yabuki's team has been working on something else for a long time. And if we think about that, that means that that we've had a lot of lead time. And this is something that Nintendo hasn't ever really done before. They haven't really they haven't really had stuff done ahead of time and just sitting in the bank waiting for them to drop. You know? Uh, they've always just kind of uh, been pushing as hard as they can to just barely get something out on time. Uh, whereas I think this is the first time in Nintendo's history where they've they've had like a backlog waiting to come out. And that makes me think that 2018, and I could be wrong about this. In fact, I'm of two minds on this subject. But my my guess is that in 2018, we're probably going to see another really good year from Nintendo where they release game after game after game. And also remember, that first year was really, really important for Nintendo because they did such a great job at giving us really fantastic games to play. 
over and over and over again, they sold a whole bunch of consoles. And now that they've sold a whole bunch of consoles, tens of millions, now that they've sold all those consoles, third parties are looking at how well the Switch is doing. And they're saying, okay, well, I think it's time for us to start uh, putting out games on this. So my guess is by the end of 2018, we're going to start seeing a lot more third-party games that we wouldn't have previously seen. Uh, That being said, if I were Nintendo, I would make sure that I had stuff to play in January in the first few months, you know, have a big game release in January, February, March, April, May, and June. And then after that, space them out every two months, probably, so that uh, because you're going to be supported by these third party devs. Um, And just because it's a first party Nintendo game, doesn't always mean it's going to take a long time to develop. You know, a game like Breath of the Wild is going to take way longer to develop than a game like Mario Party. And Mario Party is just as important to the platform as Zelda. Not at the beginning. At the beginning, Zelda was way more important. But as the platform continues to evolve, a game like Mario Party is going to be just as important as Zelda as Zelda, because people are going to be playing looking for a game like that to play. So I think that 2018 is in good hands. Uh, you, you went on to talk about, what was it, Metroid Prime 4. I wasn't aware, like I, I had forgotten maybe, that um, uh, Mr. Tanabe was in charge of Metroid Prime 4. So, you know, there were rumors that Bandai Namco was working on Metroid Prime 4. It looks like maybe that might not be true based on what you said. Um, I will say that Nintendo has used external studios in the past to help them get something done, like Smash 4 was made by Bandai Namco. Um, Thank you very much for the email and for listening. I appreciate that. And you definitely gave me some stuff to to think about. Uh, So if you want to email the show, you can do so at runjumpstomp at gmail.com. You can also tweet at me at runjumpstomp on Twitter. And I just received a tweet this morning. It was from at Valorian Theater, and you can get a link in the show notes to the tweet. Uh, but they said, question one, which game would you buy for the Switch? Skyrim, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, or Fire Emblem Warriors? I would say Fire Emblem Warriors is really, really good, but I don't feel like it has a universal appeal. Uh, I think it's a great game, but I think that there's a lot of people who are going to play that game and be like, this is not for me. So I wouldn't recommend that unless I knew what kind of games you liked. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 kind of suffers from the same fate. It's a die-in-the-wool JRPG. Um, This is the kind of game that it is, and unless you are into JRPGs, you're probably not going to enjoy that game. And then finally, Skyrim, I think, has the most universal appeal. So if I had to pick between those three, I would say Skyrim, especially if you've never played it and don't have access to any other platforms to play it on. I think that you would have a whole lot of fun with Skyrim. Uh, question number two from Valorian Theater uh, says, recommended 3DS game for a five-year-old. That's tough. Um I, I would say Pokemon. I guess it depends on their reading level, like how well can they read. Um, I will say this. I played the demo for Pikmin. No, Hey Pikmin. I played the demo for Hey Pikmin. And it really, to me, 
and again, I only played the demo, but to me, it felt like a very simple game that a uh, younger player would really be able to get into. Now, that being said, I only played the demo, so I'm not really sure, but with the 3DS, there's so much to choose from. Um, You know what I would recommend is you just go to Google and you type best 3DS games and they'll start listing them off. Um, I feel like Hey Pikmin is really aimed at kids and I don't think there's too much uh, text in the beginning. So I I would recommend Hey Pikmin um, with all of the qualifications that I said. Um, if you are look, thank you very much for the tweet, uh, Valorian theater. Um, if you want to call the show, you can call and leave a voicemail at two, six, zero run jump. That's two, six, zero, seven, eight, six, 58, 67. And of course you can join our community discord channel at runjumpstompcom slash discord. There's a lot of people who are upset about this next story, and that's that ARMS 5.0, which came out yesterday, is the last content update for the game. That doesn't mean that the game is dead. It means that they're done making new characters and expanding the roster. And there's a couple different ways to look at this. Uh, One way to look at it is that the game is no longer supported by Nintendo, and that's not true. They're they're going to continue to do balance patches. They have said as such. Uh, another way to look at it is that the meta is now going to settle down. So up until now, every single time that they introduced a new character and new arms, they had to completely rebalance everything, and it makes it really hard to keep a game balanced when you keep adding new stuff to it. Uh, Another way to look at it is that ARMS is now finalized. So, you know, in the past, way back in the day, when I was a young one, and you bought a game, you bought a game that was finished, and you played that game, and it didn't really change all that much. Well, these days, games are always changing. And I understand how people look at the, the... end of content updates for arms and they think of that as a bad thing i can i can understand why especially when you compare it to other games games like um especially multiplayer games like a moba uh, where mobas are constantly getting influxes of new characters and stuff like that and i think that the main reason why arms is now quote unquote done is because nintendo made a choice they chose a monetization model which is incompatible with continued updates. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for Nintendo to make a game and put it out and then continually update that game for free. Yes, it will help sell that game, but you're going to eventually reach a saturation point where people who are interested in that style of game probably already have it, you know? And you're not going to get too many more sales out of it. And now you're just throwing money away by updating. Yes, you're keeping those customers who picked up your game happy. But you're also throwing money away because you're not going to be getting anything, any return on your investment from this point forward. If If Nintendo had chosen a different monetization model, one where 
you could get different skins for the different characters um, and you could buy those skins with currency that you could earn in the game or pay real money to get and maybe they would have some loot boxes then Nintendo could probably afford to continually make new characters and new arms for and new stages for the game. But they chose not to do that. They chose to go in a way that means that now the game is now finalized. Uh, Captain Logan in chat says, will they alter physical copies to include all the content up to 5.0 in the future? Uh, Captain Logan, I really don't think so. I think that you'll have to download patches when you buy it, I don't think that they're going to change the ROM. Uh, and if they did, that would increase the cost of the cartridge to Nintendo because that would mean that they would have to have bigger storage on that card in order to include the other textures that weren't already there when the game shipped. Uh, this is another way for them to save money. They ship the game as it was when it comes out. You put it in your, your Switch and it says, hey, you want to update this? If you want to play online, you have to. Um, or, or you can not update it and you can play it and you can just play it as it was when it released against your friends or against the computer. Almost nobody's going to do that because they want to play against other people online. That's where a lot of the fun is. Um, but anyway, as I was saying, Nintendo picked the monetization model that is not compatible with continued updates. They can't afford to keep throwing money at developing for a game when it's pretty much done. Um, I think that the amount of content that we got, quote unquote, for free, was a lot. We actually got, I mean, if we look at it post-release, we got um, Max Brass as a new character, um, Lola Pop, Springatron, Dr. Coyle, um, Masingjo, so we got five new characters, five new stages, and each each new character came with three new arms, so 15 new arms. And we got all of that for free after the game launched. So I think Nintendo is fine by saying 5.0 is the last content update, but what I think Nintendo should have done instead is not release the game when they did because they released arms uh, back in... Was it April or May? I can't remember. But it was sandwiched between Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Mario Kart, um, or not Mario Kart, and Splatoon 2. And those are two massive multiplayer games. Not massive multiplayer. That's the wrong way to say that. Those are two really big multiplayer games, online multiplayer games. And to sandwich arms, a brand new IP, also an, a multiplayer game, an online multiplayer game with a focus like that to sandwich it between those two games was a big mistake. Captain Logan says it was June. So there you go, June. I couldn't remember. Um, but that was a big mistake to put it between those two games. What they should have done is just delayed the game until January. You know, I just got done talking about how this year on the switch, we had game after game after game of really, really, or month after month of really good games that just kept coming out. And if they didn't release ARMS this year, I people would have been fine with it. People wouldn't have been missing it because people had so much else to play and they'd never heard of ARMS before. So I think Nintendo, if they had just held off until they were at the 5.0 mark and released the game in January as just ARMS, 
that had these 15 characters and these other stages and um, the the million of arms that there are to play with, I think that people would have really taken to the game a lot better. And this was like, pro- I think this was probably Nintendo's biggest misstep this year. They had a fantastic new IP with all kinds of personality. And they dropped it at just the wrong time. And that's tough. It's really tough for them. Uh, so I think that it was a big mistake. And um, that's too bad because it's a great game. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking as if ARMS is dead. And it's certainly not dead. Anytime I've loaded up the game, I found a match within a minute. Like it's instantaneous practically whenever I want to play. So there's still plenty of people playing. And what I think we're going to see now is the meta is going to settle out. Um, There'll be balance patches to make sure that nobody's too overpowered. And that'll be a lot easier to do. What I'm most interested in is what is Mr. Yabuki and his dev team working on now. Because that would be really, really great. Captain Logan has given me further clarification because I'm sure that I screwed something up. He said, Mario Kart was April and Street Fighter was May. Arms was June. Splatoon was July. So we, we'll just take Street Fighter out of that because that's not that huge. But Mario Kart was April with Arms in June and Splatoon July. Having Splatoon come out right after Arms was like a death knell to Arms. It was such a bad move. Um, Vaxxer says, maybe they thought the hype for arms would be bigger than it was. I mean, it's possible. You look at what, what, how well Splatoon, Splatoon 1 did on the Wii U. It did phenomenal. It had a crazy attach rate, especially in Japan. And, uh, maybe they thought that they had another hit like that on their hands, but still putting it just three weeks, I think it was just three weeks before Splatoon 2 was a huge mistake because, People picked up arms, and then as soon as Splatoon 2 came out, they started playing that instead. Not because arms is a bad game, because Splatoon 2 is just that great. Uh, So I I do think that that was a mistake, and hopefully they don't make a mistake like this in 2018. Um, But arms 5.0 is the last content update for the game, and um, it's just as good a time as any to start playing because it's really, really fun. And I, I think you're going to see uh, some some really good balancing coming soon. Since the last time that I played, I finally finished Zelda DLC 2 uh, Champions Ballad. I'm going to talk about it now, so if you haven't played it, uh, I suggest that you just fast forward a little bit. Um, I, I really don't know how long I'm going to talk about it for, but... If you're watching the video version on YouTube or on Twitch, I'm just going to go ahead and put on a filter that will make it so that uh, you can tell when I'm done. I'll just make my screen black and white, I guess. So let me just turn that on. There we go. All right. And if you're watching on Twitch or on YouTube, the screen is black and white while I'm talking about the uh, spoilers. And it'll go back to color when I'm done talking about spoilers, just so that you, you will know when I'm done talking about it. All right. So you've had your chance to leave now. Hopefully uh, you have left because now I'm going to talk about all of the spoilers for Zelda DLC 2. Let's see. First off, 
these these uh, th- this content felt like it was in the game the whole time. It always felt like it was there, and rarely have I, pl- I, you know, I say this, rarely have I played any DLC, but in this case, rarely have I played DLC where it felt like it was always part of the game, and I feel like Nintendo did a great job with this. It felt like this stuff was always there, and as I went through and found these things, yes, I did it all at once, but I didn't feel like I had to. Um mostly I felt like I had to because I was afraid of spoilers. Um, but I never felt like if I don't go and find these locations now, I'm never going to, you know, it, it was, it was just one more part of the game and it was really great. Um, so if you, if you've, um, well, I'm, I'm saying if you haven't played, if you haven't played, you shouldn't be listening to this, but I'm just going to quickly go over the experience. Uh, the very beginning of the DLC, you go back to the, the the resurrection cave, and you get this weapon which kills things in one hit. But you the the downside of that is you also get killed in one hit, and that made it really tough. Uh, and I was playing this on hard mode, and while it was really really difficult to do, I had a lot of fun. And I will say this: playing it on hard mode was probably just as bad as playing it on easy mode. The only difference between the two would be that on hard mode, uh, monsters are much more likely to notice you, so it makes it harder to sneak. Um, whereas, you know, when you're not using this one-hit obliterator in hard mode, you know, the monsters, are they hit way harder, but it doesn't really matter how hard they hit or how much regen they have if everything dies in one hit, including you. So that kind of felt like a, an equalizer to make everything the same difficulty across the normal mode and the hard mode. But then after that was done, and then it has like these four little crystals that go out and they they unveil unveil the, the four locations that you have to go to. I thought that was really cool. Um, and then you go to those four locations and each one is this little almost like a mini shrine with three pictures on it. And I really loved this. It felt like a scavenger hunt. Uh, using the those pictures and the map and the, to, the topography in the map to try and figure out, okay, this is where I need to go to find this next uh, shrine. And I did like that the shrines looked different. Um, you know, they, they were taller and had like this thing protruding out a little more. And I had a lot of fun playing... Uh, playing through those new shrines, and I feel like the shrines they they were so well done, and there were no shrines that I went through that were that just felt like a recycle of some other shrine. I think there was like one moment where I thought that that's what it was going to be, uh, and it was the one where you had a ball that had to fall down, and you had to kind of do a Rube Goldberg machine to try and get it to come all the way down to the bottom. Um, but I ended up solving that in a completely different way than I did the other Rube Goldberg machine thing on the, on like the regular shrines. Uh, so that was really cool. And all of the new shrines felt really, really fun. I loved the puzzle bits. And I think my favorite one was the one where I had to climb on the side of this moving platform while there were spikes and fire going all over the place, I had to climb over and around it. I thought that was really, really cool. And I'm excited to go back to those to to farm um, like guardian weapons and stuff like that uh, before I go after Lionel's. 
Uh, anyway, uh, the shrines I thought were really, really great. After you um, go to your little scavenger hunt, and then you um, do the the three shrines that you have to find, then it tells you to go to uh, the Divine Beast for the area that you're in. And you go back there, and they put you in to fight against the boss, but they limit what you have. So you only have, like, the outfit from that area. You have the weapon and shield from that area, and a bow from that area, and then certain amount of arrows that they've determined is what you need in order to beat that. This made defeating some of the enemies really difficult, uh, I think, which was weird. I feel like the hardest one for me was the water one, the the one with the in the elephant. I felt like that one was the hardest for me just because I had trouble getting over to it and I kept running out of arrows uh, as it would run away from me. Uh, but overall, I would say that I feel like it was a little lame that we didn't get new bosses to fight in there. It was just the same fights again, but they controlled it with what gear I had. I, I will say that I had fun fighting those bosses again, and I do like that now I can finally go back. And I wish I had thought of this at the time, but I can now go back and fight those bosses anytime I want and take their pictures so I can get 100%. Uh, because if you had forgotten to take the pictures of the bosses then you couldn't like you couldn't get 100% without buying pictures from that that one guy I can't remember where he is um so now I'm excited that I can go back in anytime I want fight those bosses and I can take their pictures so I can increase uh, finish off my collection uh you do that for all four bosses and then they tell you to go back to the resurrection shrine you put your Sheikah slate into the thing I can't remember where it is uh, or, or what it's called, but you put your Sheikah Slate into like the little pedestal and it activates an elevator, which then takes you down, uh, like the whole room kind of falls down. And uh, when you're at the bottom, you are now in this cool, and it looked like a, just a couple of cylinders, but basically you had like four different puzzles to figure out. And as you did, they kept respawning like guardians for you to kill. Not like full guardians, but like the shrine guardians, uh, just to kind of mix things up a little bit. Um, but each different section of this was, uh, of this quote unquote dungeon was themed. So like they had a water area and an electricity area, etc. Um, I felt like this is easily the best dungeon in the game without a doubt. And I wish all of the dungeons were as interactive as this one. I had a lot of fun playing on these. And they forced the game forced me to use all of Link's abilities again. Finally, when I unlocked the door and went through and fought the boss, it was insane. Um, the boss was the dudes that those dudes that sit at the end and give you the shrines or the the spirit orbs. It was one of those guys, and those guys are really really hard to fight, especially on hard mode. Uh, he regened incredibly fast. Uh, so you had to constantly be very, very aggressive to try and take him out before his regen went up. I died. Well, I didn't die once. I quit once because I felt like I had wasted too many weapons. And so I just was like, screw it. I'm reloading and starting over now that I kind of understand how the boss fight works. Um, the boss's second phase for me was a nightmare. I couldn't keep an eye on where they were. 
I if you are having trouble with that fight, or maybe you're listening because you don't care about spoilers, um, I would recommend you wear the Barbarian's outfit because that gives you a lot more damage. And he doesn't really do that much damage. You can mitigate a lot of that damage. And especially just go to the Lover's Lake. That's the lake that's shaped like a heart. And pick all of the hearty radishes before you go there. And then cook. Like, I think it'll have seven of them. And then you can cook um, to cook them all one at a time. And those are seven times that you can refill your health. Uh, then go to the great fairy fountain, grab some fairies to take with you. And health really is, was not an issue for me. And there were a couple times where like, I wasn't paying very much attention and I ran out of health and, uh, you know, a fairy picked me up or Mipha's grace brought me back to life. Um, but overall I would say that you don't need that much protection from him. You just got to be able to do damage fast enough to keep him from or, or to keep him from regening so that you can actually kill him. My, I guess my my real question after fighting him is if there's 140 of these guys, because I feel like we had, I think we had 20 shrines in all. Uh, well, no, not 20, 12, 12 shrines in all. No, 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 12 plus four on the Great Plateau. So 12, 13. So 16 shrines. So if there's 136 of these guys in the world, why does Hyrule need Link? Because these guys are total badasses. And, you know, I got my tail kicked by these guys. So I don't think that we need Link. We've got 136 of these samurai crazy mans. And uh, if they just go after Ganon, then I think we'll be all set. Anyway, that's the end of the spoiler section. So if you left because of the spoilers, let me go ahead and turn off my filter for black and white because now spoilers are off. Um, overall, I'm going to say that I thought the DLC 2 was fantastic. Definitely worth the money. Uh, a lot of people say that they liked DLC 2 better than DLC 1. Honestly, I can't imagine playing the game on normal mode anymore. Playing it a game on hard mode is, for me, definitely the way to go. I had so much fun in hard mode. It's It completely changed the game for me and forcing me to constantly play aggressive. And I'm really happy that I got both of the DLCs because I feel like they both really changed the game and made them fun. And I'm you know, after 200 hours in Zelda, you'd think I'd be done, but I still have a lot of stuff to do. And now that I've got my uh, my transport, I'm going to start driving around looking for the things that came with both DLCs that I haven't found yet. And uh, let's see if we can get those 900 Korok seeds and all 120 shrines, because I still haven't gotten all 120 shrines, even after 200 hours of gameplay, which is crazy. All right, we've got four quick stories for the lightning round. Number one, Blossom Tales has sold more copies on in one day on the Switch than in their lifetime on Steam. This is from at FDG underscore games. They're the, the ones who made the game. Uh, they said, whoa, Blossom Tales sold double, double the amount of units on Switch launch day versus lifetime sales on Steam. That is crazy that is a lot more that's that's pretty awesome now why is this happening B- 
because it's easier to find games on the Switch than it is on Steam. There's thousands and thousands of games on Steam, hundreds of games released on Steam every day. It's a needle in a haystack thing. Okay, uh, the next story, Arcade Archives versus Super Mario Brothers is now on the eShop. I've not picked this up yet. I'm going to wait. I've got so much to play, and I really want to play this, but I just I don't have time right now. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'll get an eShop gift card or something for Christmas, and then I won't have to actually pay money for it. So I'm going to hold off, but this is the one Arcade Archive game that I really have been looking forward to. I want to play this game. Uh, there's a shotgun in Splatoon. It's called the Squeezer. It looks like a champagne bottle. And I like this. This is a new weapon type, basically. You hold it down. If you pull the trigger, it'll do a quick blast. But if you need to uh, cover a lot of ground, you hold the trigger down and it'll spray uh, over a larger area or it'll continue spraying so you can cover a larger area. But I'm very interested to try this out. I haven't had a chance yet, but it's called the Squeezer. So make sure you pick that up if you haven't. And lastly, in the, in the lightning round, uh, there's this new game. Well, it's not a new game. It's a game that's already out, but it's not out for the Switch yet. And But it is coming to the Switch. It's called Disc Jam. Uh, Disc Jam looks really cool. If you click on the link in the show notes, there's a link to a tweet. And basically, it looks like... Uh, almost like a tennis game with a frisbee. So uh, you're trying to get the ball past um, past the other team to score a goal on the opposite side. And so they throw the ball or the ball. They throw the disc at you, and you can like they show in this in this one little clip. Like this guy blocks it, it flies up, and his partner grabs it and then throws it, bounces it off the wall, and hits it past the enemy to score three points. I think it looks really cool, and I'm looking forward to playing this. It seems like the perfect kind of game to play on the Switch because you can take those Joy-Cons off, hand one to a friend, and then you guys can play side-by-side without having to buy an extra controller and play online against other people. I did see that the game is usually played split-screen, so if you want to play against somebody locally then you'll be end up playing split screen unless, of course, you're using two switches, uh, in which case I'm sure that you'll be able to do it online. Uh, but I think that this game looks really, really cool, and I'm looking forward to it. No no information on a release date, date yet. And uh, even so, like people have said, it's not a rumor. It's more of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just unannounced. Uh, so they haven't formally announced it, but apparently it is coming. Okie dokie! Well, everybody, that's all the time that we have for today. If there's a story that I missed or a topic that you would like discussed, let me know at one of the ways that I, that I told you about at the top of the show. If you're looking for ways to support the show, uh, head on over to runjumpstomp.com support. There you'll find links to my Amazon affiliate link. Uh, you click that, and you know here's a, here's a handy tip for you guys. If you use that to buy Amazon um, eShop gift cards, uh, then you can you can support the show uh, by using that to get the eShop money, and you still get the same amount of money, and it doesn't cost you anything. So if you were going to buy a game anyway, just buy an eShop gift card using my affiliate link, and that supports the show. Other ways that you can support the show, you can, of course, join the Patreon. If you have Amazon Prime, you can link that to Twitch and subscribe to my Twitch page. And you can, of course, use my uh, wife's uh, DocSock uh, Etsy shop at etsy.com slash shop slash run, jump, stomp. There she sells uh, zippered pouches, pencil pouches, um, 
uh, gosh, uh, dock socks. And she even said the other day, she's not sure, but she's thinking about making pillowcases with like uh, nerd themes. It's just right now the shop is closed, but you can go there and favorite the shop. And then uh, you can buy stuff when we reopen it the, after the first of the year. Uh, thank you to Tom Winter and Noteblock for uh, letting me use your music on the show. You guys are great. And I'm out of here. Uh, oh gosh, I almost forgot. So this is the last show, um, for like a week, but I have already recorded, like it's an hour and a half episode where, uh, me and some other podcasters got together and we talk all about, uh, the switches first year. So look for that episode to drop on Tuesday because it's such a big episode. I was, I was going to cut it into pieces and drop it on the normal days, but because it's such a big episode, I'm, I couldn't find a good way to cut up, cut it up. So I'm just going to leave it intact, drop it on Tuesday, and there won't be a show on Thursday. There won't be a show on Sunday. So uh, this is it for the week. Uh, I hope you all have uh, happy holidays and, you know, wherever you're going, uh, just drive safe. And thank you for listening and uh, for hanging out with me. You guys are awesome. I'm out of here. Bye-bye. <music> Switchcraft is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the publisher and distributor of the world's largest selection of digital audiobooks and spoken word content. Audible customers can listen anytime and anywhere to professionally narrated audiobooks across a wide range of genres, including bestsellers, new releases, sci-fi, romances, classics, and more. Get two free audiobooks to start. After 30 days, if you decide to cancel, you get to keep the books. If you decide to stay on, and you probably will, get one book every month for $14.95. In addition, you also get 30% off the price of additional audiobook purchases. Cancel anytime. Your books are yours to keep even if you cancel. You can sign up today for your free 30-day trial at runjumpstomp.com audible and directly support the show. 